go, bitches. We're back. Round six, down by two. We're back. We're back for more, baby. We're back for more. Mike Fulmer and the star of the show to my left, Jisha Lish. How are you, baby? Yo, it ain't. Yo, it's equal parts, baby. Yo, I'm just (laughs) just happy to be here. Just happy to be alive. Heart pumping, ready to go. Uh, This is our first time that we're actually uh, touching on some NHL uh, post-trade deadline. Hey, couple, couple big acquisitions at the deadline especially for our hometown leafs for the leafs brought oh. in a, a captain Bolino. gotta love him gotta you gotta love bringing love in a captain that plays a hard hitting can score the score the puck uh can play the wing he's a leader he played under torts for a few years went deep in the playoffs a couple times was he um, was he worth what we gave up and that is the question would we give at least a first and some um why not, though? This is the year. We don't have to deal with Boston in the first couple rounds oh, at nice. minimum. That's nice. We're kind of getting a free oh. pass for the first time in a decade. So, uh, the yeah, Bruins it, had a pretty big pickup as well. That's true. Oh. Yep, they loaded up. They got I the thought, prize possession. I thought we were going for all. Yeah? Oh, add to the pre- uh, plethora of, of scoring. Yeah. I, I like getting grittier, though, with Felino and Yeah. But... They got Hall, and they didn't have to give up a ton. They didn't even have to give up a first for Hall, so... We also picked up Big Save Dave. (laughs) Big Save Dave, so that's his name now, eh? Nice having some depth goaltender. He's a goaltender, yeah. You can put him in between the pipes. (laughs) Fuck me. Big Save Dave. Well, I I like it, though, too. You do need some depth. You definitely do. We've been a pane of glass in net this year. Like, it's nice to see Campbell playing good. He's getting healthy. Anderson's dinged up, but everyone's so brittle. So getting big save. Bit of a condensed season as well, too, and with everything going on with COVID, and uh, it's 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 been tough all around, just all around sports with with conditioning and and staying healthy. You're seeing people drop left, right, and center. When even when it comes to basketball as well, just torn ACLs like it's your like it's like it's your job. It's it's insane. Um, so it's it's definitely been been tough. In and around the league, so unpredictable, and it's and Leafs. Leafs have it all right in front of them right now. It's go time. So this is it. Battle to who, the metal. Who is the other one we were mentioning? That was a Yo was Mantha a, to the Caps. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eiserman at it again. He's unloading Mantha, first rounder, arguably their best player. But I mean, they're a ways away, and there's no sense holding on to him. Send him to a contender. I think they brought back a first. They brought back Verona, who's actually a underrated goal scorer in the league. So. I mean, Stevie Y added again. He knew what he was doing with the with mm-hmm. the bolts, and uh, I think in, in Iserman you got to trust. Is this going to be a long process, especially for all my my wing fans out there and all the boys? I know you guys have been, you guys you guys enjoyed your glory Ooh. days, so it's just it's time to endure the uh, the dog days for a little bit. But yeah, for a guys, little bit, you're on the right trajectory. Yo, we uh, we had a very special guest on the show today. Just bringing it to uh, bring it to uh, our, our special guest that we had. Um, man, uh, this is uh, NHL alumni. Spent 19 years in the league with the Canadians, Oilers, Leafs, Stars, Blues. Uh, represented our beautiful nation. Represented Canada on the biggest stage in the Olympics. Um, Shane this, Corson was on the show today. This AKA guy, the Hammer. The Hammer played with <laughs> some of the greatest. Yo, undeniably the great. Like man, some of the names that he was rattling off. Like we could have chatted with this guy with for hours. It's oh, nuts. Like he, starting with the Can- like like legend. He played with seven Hall of Famers in his first season. That's ridiculous. 
I, it's just nuts. And then you go from there. Uh, that might be exaggerating. I think he was five. But long story short, this guy was surrounded by greatness, well-traveled in the league, uh, capped in a few teams, um, and even life after hockey. He's uh, he's talked about his mental health issues and his battle. He's well-spoken on that. And he's done a fantastic job uh, representing the National Hockey League. And um, it was a pleasure having him on. It was really great actually diving into that because that's, that's something that, you know, didn't really have the stage that it that it should have had back in his day, which is something that's definitely been overlooked in the past. And, and you know, you don't really know that that's actually going on behind the scenes, you know, struggling with, with mental health and, and whatnot. But uh, we were able to definitely dive deep into it and, and uncover, you know, some of the stuff that actually goes down behind the scenes. And it's great to actually just have that platform to be able to talk about it. So super grateful to have him on the show. Uh, not only that, but you know, coming in hot from spitting chiclets, the down by two, an absolute pleasure <laughs> to have this guy on the show. Yeah, like, he, oh, uh, yo, he blew us away for sure, and he's a uh, he's a uh, as we call a beautician, or as he would call a beautician, B E A U T I O N, baby. Uh, but this is episode six of the Down by Two podcast, featuring Shane Corson. Hope you guys enjoy. We have a very, very special guest on our show today. Uh, this guy's just uh, an all-around legend. He spent 19 years in the NHL with the Montreal Canadiens, Edmonton Oilers, Toronto Maple Leafs, St. Louis Blues, and even the Dallas Stars. Uh, he's a three-time All-Star and has represented Canada in the Olympics. Uh, this guy, he's just an all-around beauty, isn't he, isn't he Mike? Uh, I think it's actually beautician. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, beautician, my bad. Uh, we got Shane Corson here on the show. Shane, uh, we've been wondering what is the difference between a beauty and a beautician because uh, we've been we've been kind of asking uh, ourselves, and I think our definition is uh, just a full time professional beauty gives you a beautician. Uh, is that how you would describe a beautician, or uh, what's your uh, what's the kind of hierarchy for that? Well, that's part of it. You got to be a beauty all the time to be a beautician, but a beautician. <laughs> I, I call a beautician all people, women, men, because of my daughter's team in uh, the school of Boston College. Yeah. Those girls can, uh, they can have fun, let me tell you that. So that's where we're kind of the beautician. I was a beauty always, but then I became a beautician when I went down for a weekend with them. You graduated. Them. I graduated to a <laughs> yeah. beautician. That's unreal. <laughs> and now, now, and now, we have a, now we have a group chat with a couple of her teammates, and it's the beauticians, and it's her, about three or four of her teammates and me. So I graduated to a beautician after a weekend with college hockey girls. So it was great. Oh, that's fantastic. Congrats. That's great. Thank you. I feel pretty good about myself. <laughs> love that. Love that. Um, and also, do you do you prefer Shane or should we just go by the hammer for the rest of the show? <laughs> you, can call me, you can call me hammer. You can call me whatever you want. I'm, I'm not picky, guys, but... They call right, me Shane. Right. They call me Shano a lot too. My my son and, and uh, my daughter's friends all call me Shano, but Shano, Hammer. Shane, like Hammer's it. fine too. All right, Hammer. Well then, uh, <laughs> let's go with that. Yeah, I like that. It's let's, Friday, Friday let's with take the Hammer. It, let's take it right back to uh, to Barry in the beginning. Um, 
yeah. junior B hockey there. Were yeah. you part of a junior A program? I know that Barry was small back then, right? So yeah. were you already part of, was it, is it Brantford you were with? Yeah. From there? Uh, is that? No, I, uh, I actually moved up and played with the uh, the guys a year older the year before. Instead of playing uh, major bantam, I went to major midget, and then uh, instead of playing major midget, I played. I almost got drafted as an underage, but I, I got diagnosed with colitis, so I lost a bunch of weight. And back then, you could you had to be drafted in the first three rounds to be uh, or first two rounds, something like that, to be drafted underage. Gotcha. So uh, I got sick and uh, didn't happen. But so instead of staying in midget, playing midget again, I went to play junior B with the older guys just to. Uh, get some experience and play with better players and older players and more mature players. So I played junior B and Barry that year. And then after that year was drafted to Brantford, Brantford Alexander's, which moved to Hamilton, became the Hamilton Steelhawks. So that's how it, how it worked there. But I played all my minor hockey in Barry. And was I mean, it early I, on that they thought like you were going to make a career doing this? Like you can make a living, make some bucks along the way. I always wanted to be an NHL hockey player growing up in Barry, a small town. As you mentioned, it was only about 27,000 people. It's 150,000 now, but uh, I always watched Hockey Night in Canada. I was a big Leafs fan, and, and I always had the goal and dreams of playing in the NHL. But at that age, you're, it's all goals and dreams, right? Uh, you right. don't know, and you don't know what's going to happen from then until you're 17, 18. And then even then, if you get drafted like I did to OHL in the first round and to the NHL, you still don't know if you're going to make it. I know lots of guys that got drafted yeah. in the you know, never made it and got drafted high. And then I have know a lot of uh, teammates and buddies that didn't get drafted and made it to the NHL. So you don't know at that, that early age. You just, you love the game. You're playing the game. You have dreams. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you, um, you growing up in, in Windsor, um, obviously you've, uh, you've, you've seen a few games uh, in, in Windsor. Do we have yeah. any, uh, any Windsor stories? Cause I know that you've definitely frequented there before. I mean, the old barn, the old building in Windsor was crazy. It was, uh, Crazy building to play in. Uh, Windsor always had a tough team. There's a kid named Kerr. I met, never forget him. He was uh, he was a really good player, but really he was nails too, and uh, was a lefty. So I'll never forget him because I think he caught me with a couple lefts one night. But for me, it was just the building, the building, and and the uh, the city it was a great hockey city. And I mean, now it's it, you know for the few years there when Hall was there and all those guys, they won a bunch of championships and. Uh, had a great organization. They put out a lot of great hockey players there. So it's a great hockey town in Windsor. Uh, my buddy, uh, Bob Probert, was my left winger my first year and a half, was from That's Windsor. That's yeah. That's what yeah. I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. 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 So he was he was from Windsor, and uh, he was my he, my left winger my first year and a half. So uh, he I owe a lot to him for, you know, my career and getting to the NHL because he was my uh, – he rode shotgun for me and was just a great hockey player, not just a tough guy. He had great hands and – He's a great person, a great person off the ice, too. Other than when he, he dumped on my car my rookie year, that's uh, he's a pretty decent guy. Sorry, what? <laughs> he, I heard rumblings about this, yeah. Yeah, he he, uh, he shit on the hood of my car my rookie season the very first day of training, <laughs> training camp because he thought I was kind of – he thought he probably thought I was kind of – Just driving. shit on the hood. Yeah. <laughs> Big I old drove mud into, pie. I drove into training camp with with a new car, and I don't think that was a good idea going to the yeah. you know, first junior camp in a, a new used car, but – yeah, so they thought they'd teach me a lot. Him and Todd Francis, who was another linemate of mine, who's a great friend still. Uh, they decided to shit in the hood of my car and teach me a lesson. Oh, double dookie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you <laughs> can't be showing up to camp uh, flexing like that as a youngster. No, you can't. You got to go to the go to the rink, shut your mouth, and just play on the ice. Yeah. Um, from there, Canadians drafted eighth overall. Yeah. Uh, I was just, I went down a little black hole looking at that lineup that you, uh, that you broke into the league Incredible. With. Um, yeah. Patty Waugh, Bob Gainey, Robinson, Chelios, like just 
filthy. So many Hall of Famers right when you walk into the place. Uh, what was that pinch yourself moment, would you say? Oh, I'd say, uh, well, getting drafted by the Montreal Canadiens in the Montreal Forum was pretty incredible. And to share that with my parents, too, who sacrificed so much for me to get to, uh, you know, to reach my goals and dreams. They they sacrificed uh, time and, and money to get me there. But uh, probably that probably that was the, probably my most memorable uh, moment in my hockey career, being drafted by them and in the Forum. And to share that with my parents. But the pinch me time was probably when I walked into my first training camp and walked in the hallway. Uh, near the dress room, turned, the, turned right into the dress room. You either went right into the dress room or left to where you took your clothes off and got changed. Well, I went right into the dress room just to take a look around. And Guy Lafleur was sitting there, dressed in black, because he loved black. Wow. Sitting there in the dress room all by himself, and I thought, oh, my God, this is crazy. Uh, but, yeah, you mentioned a bunch of the guys. Just being around Guy Lafleur and Bob Ganey and Larry Robinson and Steve Schott oh. and Cornwallier and – and uh, Jean Beliveau and, and Serge Savard was our GM at the time. I mean, they were all around then. That's something what the Canadians did. They loved having all the Hall of Fame hockey players around to uh, to help us with uh, coming into Montreal and, you know, teach us things. And the things they taught us most about was about off-ice stuff, not the on-ice stuff. And they told us, you know, be uh, be humble, uh, feel lucky that you're playing a sport you love to play and you're getting paid to do it and be good to the fans. And that's something that I've always tried to uh, – Tried to carry on because those guys, they, they taught us that. I never seen those guys say no or to a pitcher or an autograph in my entire time. I, I was around those guys. What a privilege, eh, to walk into an organization like that and really show you the ropes. Yeah, no like shit. you said, a lot of people go high in the environment or circumstances. They don't make it. But walking yeah. into something like that, that's that's the ideal circumstance, I'd say. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, there's, there, there's pressure such, too, but yeah. I mean, there's always pressure. There's pressure in life. There's pressure uh, everybody in their jobs in life and taking care of families and making money. There's pressure for everybody. I mean, I take pressure, that type of pressure, anytime being a hockey player and playing a sport you love to play and get paid to do it. And to walk into an organization like that and the history they had, to have those types of guys around was uh, just incredible. And like I said, they taught us the biggest thing. They taught us to be humble and, and you know, be thankful that we'll be able to do what we're doing and having fun and getting paid to do it, really. The pressure, I, I never really... I mean, I always put pressure on myself to, to be as good as I could be and to, to work as hard as I possibly could. But, I mean, the pressure from the fans, it, it was great that the fans cared as much as they did and to put the pressure on us to because they were so passionate and cared about the game of hockey. But, uh, like I said, the guys, they just taught us so much about, uh, you know, being appreciative and, and, and caring about the fans. Incredible. Can you um, just thinking back to your your first official NHL goal? Um, can can you walk us through it and what 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 went down? Kind of paint a picture for us when it, when uh, when that occurred. You know, I have so many concussions, I can't even remember half my goals. But <laughs> <laughs> I scored a few too. So yeah, I, got a, I, I had a few. Um, it's a funny story to be honest. Uh, I, I lived in Brantford my first year, and we always were built into families, and I was built with the Stefan family, and they were just incredible. I was like, I was. I was a mama's boy and a daddy's boy. I missed my, my sisters and my, my parents when I was away playing hockey. And my first was really tough leaving home and going away. But, uh, I got to, I was so lucky. I got a great family, Steph family. And Greg Stefan played as a goaltender for the Detroit Red Wings. Mm-hmm. And the two other brothers played too. There was three boys and one girl. And they were all amazing to me too. I still stay in touch with some of them. Uh, Joey played junior B and played with us a bit, uh, in Brantford and Hamilton. And then the other brother played, I think it was over in London and Scotland. But Greg was the goaltender in Detroit. I actually uh, wrapped the puck around. And I think it hit three or four guys that went off his skate and in the net. And that was one of my first goals. And it was my first goal. So 
But I tell everybody I went down the ice, beat five guys, and went top shelf on them, right? <laughs> yeah, it always happens that way, eh? Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of ironic that I scored it against Greg Stefan, who the family, like I live with my first year, and they're just so, so, such amazing people and treated me like so well. And we're lucky to have people like that. It's not always like that. I think everybody knows that, that I've played sports and hockey. You can go to a family, you get treated not the greatest, and it's there's been some horror stories. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was lucky enough. It's kind of funny that was my my first goal against him, so it's pretty funny. What are the odds? That's hilarious. It's funny the way that kind of breaks down. Um, yeah, it is. Shane, you're uh, you're a three time All Star, um, uh, twice with Montreal in ninety and in ninety eight, and once with uh, with Edmonton in ninety four, ninety eight. Obviously, uh, playing with the Olympic team. Um, yeah. What? Um, what was probably the most standout year for that is, is I'm assuming it's your first uh, in 1990 with Montreal when you got uh, selected for the first time for the all-star game. You know what? Uh, they're all special. I was just lucky. I felt honored and lucky enough to play with some of the greatest players in the league. And it was pretty fun. And the first one's special to me because my dad, my dad passed away at 45. So I got to share that one in Pittsburgh with him. He came down with me and spent the weekend with me and, Nice. I got to play in the in the game, and we, we you know we obviously had a good time and party and had a few drinks and pops and had some fun too. That's important, Couple right? Pops. That's what all the all the all story games all about. Some yum yums, right? You got to have some fun too. <laughs> but uh, so I got to share that with my dad, and uh, it was pretty cool. And and like you said, it was my first all star game. But I mean, my, my one of my greatest moments, I think, in my career, like I played the ninety one Canada Cup too, and yes. winning that winning that in Hamilton where I played junior hockey was yes was was amazing. But, uh, and playing on a line with Gretzky and Larmer were incredible. Like, uh, Gretz is a good friend of mine still, and Larmer's one of the most underrated players ever to play the game. And my roommate uh, during the Canada Cup and smoked like a chimney, but was unbelievable. But <laughs> I, I, I still have to say that uh, the Olympics, I mean, people ask me, I say the Olympics are probably my most memorable, one of my most memorable uh, times of my career and one of the uh, saddest times of my career because. To be, a, be selected to play in the Olympics was pretty incredible. Uh, and just to realize that how hard the uh, amateur athletes work to, to realize their dreams and get to do their events. And it could be over mm-hmm. in a split second. They've worked for four years and they don't get paid to do it. They pay their own way. And it's pretty incredible. So share that experience with them. Man, yeah. And, 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 to see, and to see how hard they've worked. But just to get that experience and hang out with them too and eat all the, live in the, live in the village with them. And to hang out with them, party with them, and go watch their events, and they come and support us. And, and it was just an incredible feeling to represent your country and all, and everybody in the country is your fan. Then, you know, when you play with your own team, Montreal or Toronto, there's a mm-hmm. ton of people in Canada that don't like you and hate you. But when you're playing for you to represent your country, they all love you. And then obviously, losing in the shootout uh, to go to the mm-hmm. finals against the Czechs was, uh, was heartbreaking for all of us. And it was the, one of the toughest times sitting there on the bench watching the Czech team celebrate. And I played with some of those guys. And, in the past, Peter Sobota and Rosinski was on my team in Montreal. So mm. it was tough, but uh, the all-star games were incredible. And just to share it with my, my, my dad and to, to be yeah. able to play with some of the greatest players, like I said, in the Canada cup and the Olympics, but those all-star games were a lot of fun because it wasn't as serious as the Canada cup, obviously in the Olympics. So you could have mm. a little bit more fun at the, uh, the all-star game, if you know what I mean. So oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> it was just like, get out there and share some stories and have some fun with the boys and uh, get to know them a little bit better. Cause you're always going to battle against them during the regular season. I still remember Shanahan coming down on Hasek and he decided to deke and not shoot. And I was yeah. eight years old and I still remember <laughs> that. So the entire country remembers that, but it was uh, what a legendary lineup to play with. It's just, 
I mean, yeah. throughout your career, you've played with like maybe I starting with those early Canadians and then obviously your trip to St. Louis and then back in Toronto, you've played with the best of the best throughout those 19 years. It's nuts. Yeah, it's, I was pretty lucky. I mean, uh, in Montreal, uh, Stefan Rich and I had a, a really good uh, a good time when we were there together before they traded him to, uh, to New Jersey and he scored 50 goals two years in a row and uh, it was a lot of fun. And like you said, all those guys in Montreal are just incredible hockey players. We had a great group of guys there, just good friends. Chris Chellis is still one of my closest friends and probably was one oh, of my Shelley. closest friends playing, yeah. playing hockey and another beauty. I call him a beautician yeah. already. Too. Oh, he's yeah. a beautician for sure. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's a beautician already. So, I mean. Especially um, with that tan. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it never goes away. He's Greek, so he never. He's always oh, right. tan. That guy. He's, always, he's always tan, but he gets dark, dark, dark. John Park Greek, <laughs> and seen, um, seen, I'm pale I've as a seen, ghost. I've seen it in Vegas yeah. a few times. So I'm sitting beside him in a bunch of pictures in Vegas, and I'm white as a ghost because I don't tan. I burn, and he's like yeah. dark, dark, dark. So it's pretty cool. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I got the chance to play with some incredible players, even like Jason Arndt, who I played with as a rookie in Edmonton. We had a big year. He scored 31 goals his first year as a rookie, and I had 25, mm-hmm. 50, 53 games or so into it. I probably would have. Probably that year would have got close to 40, but I got I broke my leg. Man, Dave Manson hit me with a slap shot uh, on a power play, but it was unfortunate. He was a great player. Uh, I mean, I got to play with Brett Hall and, and Gretzky as a line in St. Louis. Uh, Saku oh, Koivu and Recky on my second stint back to Montreal. They're two great players. And then I, I played with Lindros and Cree in the World Championships, and we, we led the tournament in points, the three of us. Uh, or near the, top, no near the top, near the top of the of the standings in the point getting, and the, it, they were two incredible players. And then we were supposed to play together actually in the Olympics, but uh, Paul Korea got hurt. I remember Suter hit him, and he hurt his head again and his concussion stuff, so he didn't make it to the Olympics that year. That was supposed to be our line, him and I, and and Big E. So uh, yeah, I've, I've been so lucky. And then again, in here in Toronto, I play with some great players. Um, I mean, I just had, to, and not even that, I've just had some great teammates. Not even just players, just had some great teammates. Uh, Travis. Travis Green, who was a teammate of mine in uh, Toronto, who coaches the Vancouver Canucks, he's just doing a great job. I'm so proud and happy for him. And obviously, my brother mm-hmm. Darcy, who I've, you know, obviously very close to because he's married to my sister, and he better be a good boy or I'll <laughs> you hear that, Darcy. Yeah, I'll get I'll his butt. But um, I've just played with some great teammates and great players, and just been a lucky, lucky enough. Unfortunately, like I played with Gretzky and Larmer, like I said in the Canada Cup in '91. We tried out. There were 66 guys that came that year. You had to try out. There were some great hockey players cut from that team and I just felt I was so nervous going in and then I walked in the dressing rooms there was three different teams for all the different scrimmages until they got down to our team and I walked in a room and I looked at the lineup and I was on a line with Gretzky and Larmer right away and I was like I instant sweat I was already nervous going to the camp that is then, wild yeah that and then to be on the line with those two guys I thought oh my god and then the first scrimmage I'll never forget he set Gretz sets me up with a wide open net and of course Goes off my heel into the corner. I'm thinking, oh my god, I'm cut now for sure. And he just the, over. the type oh of guy he, is, he just he just skated over and said, "Don't worry about it, kid. There'll be a lot more." And I, I played with him a whole training camp. I think I played one scrimmage with uh, Rick Tockett and Sutter, and then I went wow. right back with Gretzky and Larm, and I played with them the rest of the tournament. And uh, it was just a great experience. Steve Larm was my roommate, and just one of the nicest human beings I've ever met in my entire life, and one of the best, uh, most underrated players I've ever played with. He could do it all: power play, penalty kill. He was just incredible. Well, we were talking about Larmer, and it's it's just it's so crazy because you look at his stats, and they're absolutely unbelievable. And it, yeah. it, it's it's a shame because our generation should know about players uh, yes. like like this. Uh, do you do you have any Larmer stories that you could share with us? Well, Obviously, got, you, I'm sure was, you got a. a well, he was my roommate. He was my roommate in the in the Canada Cup. So we, we switched roommates till guys got cut down, but then he ended up being my roommate for the tournament part of it, and. Uh, 
yeah, I had to get a room on my, I phoned my parents one and I said, mom and dad, I think I like to drink, but I never smoked in my entire life. Never even tried one. I phoned yeah. my parents. I finally, after a couple of days, I said, mom and dad, you got to get me a room down here on my own because I can't stand the smoke. It's like smoke show in the room every morning. <laughs> like, first thing he wakes up, alarms would wake up first thing in the morning. He'd take, he'd have a cigarette and a coffee. And that was his uh, wake up. That was his breakfast, a cigarette and a coffee. The guy was incredible in his lungs. He could play and skate forever, but probably oh, one of the things I'll never forget too is like, we were playing in Toronto, so I'm from Barrie, and a lot of my friends are Barrie and, you know, Hamilton from playing in Hamilton and Brantford. And then obviously I had some buddies in Toronto that I met over the years. And mm-hmm. uh, so we were having, we, we had a little bit of fun during the tournament, um, I have to say. And I remember him sitting me down in the room one one night and saying, uh, kid, you got to sit down for a minute. I got to have a talk with you. And I said, okay. And I sat down with him. I think I was 25 at the time. He's been a veteran and, uh, you know, been an all-star many times. And he just looks at me and goes, kid, do you know how good you could be if you just slow down a little bit on the off-white stuff? And yeah. I, I sat there and I thought, holy shit. He's got a right, fucking but, point. Yeah. yeah, he might have a point there. But I, don't know, I, I, never, I never really thought about it. I thought about it quickly and then I just went back to being myself. I, yeah. just, I, was, I only had one speed and that was full blast or whatever I did, right? But yeah. he was the just boy. an incredible, incredible guy incredible teammate and just an incredible person like i always go back to that. i mean i've been lucky enough to play with a lot of hockey players and a lot of great players and um great players and but the ones that i've held on to and stayed friends with are the guys that are just super people off the ice i think that's more important than you know with their abilities on the ice but it, i love hockey and i love great hockey players but if, if you're a great hockey player and you're just as good as a human being then uh, that's that's amazing well, let's let's try this. If you could assemble your your dream line now, maybe even take out talent for a second, but just uh, players that you have um, the best you know relationship or chemistry with, even on the ice. Um, what would be your your dream line that you can assemble for a season? Oh my God, that's that that's so tough because I mean I've been so like you said we've been through we've been over. I played with so many great players, but yeah. like, you, you know what I mean. And I've, I've and, there, and it, it depends what kind of line you need. Like it depends what situation in a game, Fair. Uh, you know, if it's regular season or, it's, or if it's playoff. Um, hmm. And, and I played with some great goalies. Like if you're starting from goalie out, yep. I mean, I played with Eddie Belfort, Curtis Joseph, uh, Billy Ramford was amazing for us in the Canada Cup and in Edmonton. Uh, Grant Fuhrer, who I think is one of the, like, I mean, he just came up with the big saves when he needed to. I know that team could score a lot of goals, but they'll tell you, he, he came up with the big saves when the most needed, uh, it, it's, it's Broder was one of our goalies at the Olympics. He didn't play, but you know, but then I go Patrick Waugh, like how can you ever not pick Patrick Waugh? <laughs> yeah. He re- he just elevates his game in the playoffs and he knows how to win Stanley cups. And oh, for sure. so I wouldn't want to, uh, you know, disrespect it. But I mean, you look at the right side, the guys that I've played with, on defense, it's like McInnes, his incredible pr- player and an incredible person. But Chris Chelios, who's an incredible player and, and another beauty. They're both beauties. And he's the right right defenseman. Uh, mm-hmm. Left side, I mean, Pronger, who's still a friend of mine, Chris Pronger. I would love to have him because he's got it all. He's got – he's mean. He's big. He's mm-hmm. he's tough. And, and he's and he's skilled. Oh, yeah. uh, Paul Coffey, who I play with, uh, is just yeah. an incredible skilled hockey player and another great guy who's still a good friend of mine. Uh, but you, and then center ice, it's, you can't, what are you going to say? It's Gretzky for me. He's a friend of mine and he's the greatest player to play the game. But I also played with Mark Messi in the Canada cup. I played with Lindros who, if he didn't get injured, uh, would be, would be right, who knows what he would have yeah. done. He would have been right up there with everybody else. Eric. Yeah. He would have been right up there with everybody else as one of the greatest players ever played the game. He is one of the greatest to play the game. And, and you know what it is, boys, they're all great guys. They're all beauticians. They're all one of us. They all, they all like <laughs> that. Yeah. Uh, 
left wing, uh, it's, you know, like I, I played with, uh, oh my God, I just left wing would be uh, like, and Glennie Anderson could play left wing or right wing. And I mean, I only played with him when he was, uh, you know, at the end of his career, but he was just, he was still a great player. Uh, and I played more left wing myself, so I'd be the mm-hmm. uh, obviously I'd pick myself to be on that line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're left wing. You got just that unlocked. Just yeah. an off ice beautician alone, I'd be on that line. <laughs> no, you ain't coaching. You're, you're, I mean, you're on the I ice. Mean, and then I'd have to say, like, look, I can't look overlook my my uh, my line mate Montreal. The guy scored fifty goals two years in a row. Grow, He's a great player, mm-hmm. and and he's a good person off the ice. And 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 um, I mean, if he if he wanted to, that guy could have scored fifty goals, probably 10, 12, 30, or like they just would have let him go and play the way he wanted to play. He could have scored fifty goals for a lot of years, and if he had the right line mates and the and the right chemistry. So you got to look at chemistry and mm-hmm. and beauticians and and great players. But I mean, the beautician Bre- scale, yeah. <laughs> Saku Koivu, I play with Saku Koivu. Beautician for me is like pretty high in the, the category, right? The yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're pushing nines, tens. But, 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 Sa- but Saku Koivu was a great sentiment too, a great hockey player. Um, I mean, uh, I could go on and on. Like Arnett, great hockey player. I got the chance to play a couple shifts with Modano when I was in Dallas. Uh, Turgeon, no. Dan Foose, all these guys. I could go on and on with so many guys. But I, nice. I have to be completely honest. I would pick probably. Um, and then I got a guy, Murray Barron, who you nobody would you might not know Murray Barron. Mm-hmm. I love the guy. I love the guy. He was incredible. Larry Robinson, who I played with in Montreal. Like, come on, how can you go against him? <laughs> So this goes on. Uh, I, I go with guys that I like. I spent a lot of time with, yeah, and hung out with a lot. So I would go with, uh, you know, I would say Gretzky at center ice for sure. Myself on left wing. I'd go. I go Patty uh, Wa uh, uh, in net, and then I go Pronger on left wing, and I go Chelios on right wing, and then uh, um, right wing would be. I'd have to say because he, he's a beautician. You must have seen him in the Stanley Cup when they Blues won the Stanley Cup. Holly. Like, come on, he's a beautician. <laughs> yeah. Absolute beautician. Yeah, so um, I'd, I'd, either, I'd either go with, if I was going to pick a line that I wanted to play with, it would either be Gretz, me, uh, Holly, who I play with in St. Louis, or, or Gretz, uh, me, and, and Stevie Larmer, who I play with in uh, in the Canada Cup. And then that the, would be Pronger on left wing and, and uh, Chelios on right wing. Absolutely. Amazing. No, that's... That uh, goes right back to what I was saying, like the laundry list of players when we were doing a little research. It's just yeah, filthy. I, and I could go on. I have guys I'm, I'm forgetting about. I mean, like, yeah. you know, like I was lucky enough to play here in Toronto with, with Tox and, and Greeny. I mean, they're both beauticians, off the charts yeah. beauticians and, and great hockey players in their own uh, right. But do you want me to name the guys that I would want to play on the line with for a full season would be those guys. And and you, yeah. I picked Shelly because he's tough as nails. He, he didn't fight a lot, but he'd be there. But I picked prongs because the guy could fight and do it all, right? So if you have a little, you have a little bit of toughness, yeah. both of us can, you know, handle ourselves. And you got like, Skill coming out of your yin yang on all of them, like Holly, Gretz, Shelly, Prongs. They can do it. It's just, and then, you know, Patty and Nat, Patrick Watt, he just wins championships. Wild. And, he, and he's wild. He's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen him when he coached, right? He was just yeah. not, so, so <laughs> intense. He was like yeah. that in the room. He was so intense. He was one of the most outspoken goalies I've ever played with in my entire life. He'd tell you, you know, if you weren't moving your butt or not working as hard as you thought you should, or he'd tell you what a great block. Like he loved the little things. Yeah. He knew it because he knew what it took to win. He took the little things to win championships. Hundred uh, percent. Swinging back towards the end of your career, um, mm-hmm. transitioned from Montreal, signed with Toronto. Um, obviously, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. I think in that transition, the panic attacks and the anxiety kind of increased. Um, yeah. As a mental health nurse. And a sports fan, 
I think the progress we've made in the last decade or so with people speaking out and getting the help and it not being so taboo, I bet you're probably pretty happy with the way that's trending, eh? Well, the, the crazy thing as well is that like we grow up, like we grew up watching you on, on the Leafs and that, like that's our that's our team and we just enjoyed obviously an incredible squad that you were playing on as well and, and watching yeah. you and, and it, it's, it's something that we soak up as kids, but we have no idea what's going on in in the background and what's going on in your personal life uh, definitely i mean i just i just had a talk with somebody about that i'm doing a thing for sunrise it's a mental health thing to raise money to create awareness but um i definitely believe it's it's running it's trending in the right direction for sure i think it's coming a long way in the last 10 years i mean we still have a lot of a lot of long ways to go to be honest there's still a stigma there and we have to we have to break that but i definitely believe there's a there's a big change and, I, and i'm very very happy about that and mm-hmm. i mean i'm lucky to have uh guys like you give me a platform to talk about it though to be honest and i i make it a point to talk about it on every podcast or every interview i do because it's very important to me. i suffered with it for years i've suffered with it from since i was a young kid nobody knew about it just it just snowballed into something worse over time and then when i lost my dad it got even worse and then when you're trying to you know, make mistakes in life you do different things or whatever it is life itself is stressful guys <laughs> and um then making the decision to leave montreal which it was uh i was there for 10 years to come to Toronto, my family was here. You know, my dad had died at 45. My mom was here. My two sisters, my brother-in-law, you know, my my wife and uh, a couple of my kids have been born in Montreal. So they kind of want us to stay there, but I want to come to Toronto. But just a big snowball. And uh, it's something that, you know, I hit for years. I was embarrassed. I was shy. Uh, I thought it would, it would show weakness uh, even to my opponents, my my uh the guys i was playing against and even to my teammates i didn't want i didn't i hit it from them i hit it from everybody the only people i really knew were my uh my family um my wife and my kids knew there was something wrong and my mom and and my sisters to a certain extent but not even darcy really knew this the full extent of it and it got to a dark place where i needed to leave uh, the leafs in the playoffs and if i didn't i wouldn't be sitting here having this talk with you guys now and that's the things that fans don't know like for me to leave the playoffs to leave the game i loved to play be but, the toughest but, decision but especially in the playoffs, it was the toughest thing I ever did. But I knew if I didn't, I was down to 185 pounds. I played at 205. I probably wouldn't be sitting here talking to you guys right now. And that's the things that, you know, people didn't know. And that's fine. I understand. I, I hit it. And, and I understand that the media and fans are going to have their own opinion and, and, and say what they want to say. And I'm fine with that. I can, I can accept that. And, and um, I just try to tell them, you know, what really happened. And if they want to believe that and understand that that's great. If they don't, I understand that too. And I mean, I, it was a dream of mine to put that Toronto Maple Leaf jersey on him. Daryl Sittler's number. I grew up a Leaf fan. Oh, you know, wow. Yeah. Ian Turnbull, Boris Salming, Lanny McDonald, Palmateer, Sittler, uh, Earl Thompson. I mean, I could name you all these guys and they, they were my heroes growing up and to be able to come here and play for them and put that jersey on was incredible. But to be going through, what I was going through, I just felt and I almost was a leap before that when Pat Burns was here. He tried to trade for me early on in my career. And I wish I would have came here earlier in my career to play here when I was feeling 100% healthy and mentally I was feeling mm-hmm. healthy and physically because physically I was beat up too by that time. But still, I didn't care. I came to a team that was an incredible team, great group of guys, and they had a chance to win the Stanley Cup. And ultimately, that's what you want to do. You want to win that cup. And I thought we had a solid chance here. And that's what made my, my decision final is that you know, I loved it in Montreal. I had family in Montreal, but I needed to come to Toronto and be close to my other part of my family and to come to a team that had a solid chance to, to win a cup and a great group of guys. And I was leaving a great group of guys behind too. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so it was tough. But the mental health side of it for me, I it's uh, very important to me, and I try to talk about it a lot. But yes, answer your question, a long story, winded answer. Uh, it's come a long, long ways, but there's a long ways to go yet. 
a lot of people don't have appreciation for it that don't understand it, right? Because you can't see it. It's not like a broken arm where if it heals itself, right. right? And uh, and yeah, it's it's a lifelong lifelong thing that you got to work on every day. It's it's great having someone like you actually speak out on it and let people. I mean, you're a tough guy. You fought and you scored goals and you experienced it. So I think other people coming up that play hockey that enjoy the sport in general. I mean, it's key for people on your platform to be speaking out. So. I definitely commend you for that. It's awesome. Yeah, thank you. But you're right. If we could help just one person, it's worth it. And uh, I mean, you guys asked me about my you know, my career, and I'm very you know happy with my career. I'm proud that I you know got the you know even made it to the NHL and played in the NHL for a, for a long time and all that stuff. But it was a game, and I loved to play, it and I would have played it no matter what, to be honest. Yeah. But um, and I still play when I can now. I've had hip four hip surgeries, but I still play when I can now, and love the game, and love being with the boys in the dress room, and yeah. having having a few pops yeah. and telling stories. But I mean, for me, the greatest thing that ever happened to me was I helped a kid. I mean, a kid I was doing hometown hockey in uh, Niagara Falls, and this kid wanted to talk to me. He waited for me for half an hour till I finished his signing, and I said, "Yeah, tell." I told the handler, "Tell him to wait." And I talked to him for thirty minutes. That kid showed up the next year in Hamilton when I was doing another hometown hockey and said, you saved, you saved my life by just talking to me and telling me your story. So that's for me, so for me, for me, that's the, those types of things are way more important than the hockey side of it. But it's guys like you that give us these platforms to be able to talk about it though. And, and I mean, it's, we all suffer. We all know somebody that suffered with it. You're in the, you know, you, you deal with it all a day to day. I mean, I, I'm sure that we've all have friends or family or, or yourselves have suffered with a little bit of anxiety or panic or depression or something. And that's something you got to understand. It's okay not to be okay. It, it's uh, life's full of ups and downs. It's just how you learn to, to deal with them. And I wish I would have came out a lot earlier, boys, because as soon as I started talking about that's when I started getting better. I mean, I, I struggle with it, as you said, Mike, every day. But by just by talking about it, I started on my way to recovering and being able to deal with it in a better, a better way. And mm-hmm. people understood it a little bit better. So I thank people like you for giving me the, the platform to talk about it and understand it. Absolutely. And we do understand the the importance of it, which is why we're, we're grateful to have you on, on the thank show to, to talk about this. Um, but maybe let's maybe let's just uh, flip the script a little bit here and uh, and uh, talk maybe <laughs> <laughs> something a little bit more. Uh, I could go all day. I, yeah, we could go I do that. I do mental health for a living, so I we go down uh, the mental health path. For well, a while, I, but well, we need more. We need more people like you because uh, and talking about it more and mm-hmm. doing things like on these types of things too. Because it, it 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 you get to a different audience when you do these types of things. You know what I mean? And I think a lot more people relate to it than they want to admit too. Because I think we're all suffering from it, even if you don't know it. But everyone's got anxiety. Everyone's got someone in Everyone. their household that's 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 hurting, and they might not even know it. You know someone within your circle, but they're just not talking about it, and they. Well, and then there's people like Mike said, Josh, that they're that you don't even know they're suffering, and they are suffering, and that's mm-hmm. why doing things like this because it gives people the strength to maybe come out and talk about it. And I just talked to a kid yesterday. That's what he did. He seen my Instagram post and he reached out through a friend. Asked if I could talk to him, and he just said, "You know what? By you talking about it, gave me the strength to come out and talk about it." And I think that's the kids that are hiding it, or the people are hiding it. It touches everybody. That's when you hold it in; it just makes it snowballs. It gets worse and worse and worse. And as you've been in, it's part of your work, Mike. You know that that's what they do. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's I could talk about it forever too. But let's switch, yes. switch the. Uh, no, no, no. We're we're always happy to give a um, to give the platform for that. So we we appreciate you opening up and, and talking about that. I love uh, it. But a, a lot of your fans, we we know you as uh, as a very rough and tumble. You know, been you've been known to throw some hands. You know, on and off the ice. Um, but we gotta we gotta ask, what gets your blood flowing a little bit more? Just uh, would it be a fight like in sneakers or on skates? <laughs> 
I, I don't know if I ever had a lot of fights with uh, sneakers on in my day. <laughs> <laughs> or just skates or no skates. Like what? Like what? Like obviously the adrenaline's got to be flowing when you have forty thousand fans watching you. You know, throw I used, hands. I used to have steel, 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 steel yeah, <laughs> smart. Boots on. Still toed work boots on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's a pro move. You know what? There's nothing like being on, on the ice with, like you said, like 20, 25,000 fans screaming for you. And, yeah. and usually it's you're fighting for a teammate or sticking up for a teammate or somebody did it, gave you a dirty shot or something. You know, on the day off the ice, it was usually the same thing, sticking up for a friend. Like, uh, I mean, I never, my dad always said, don't start a fight, but if you have to finish it. But things mm-hmm. have changed so much in the day now. Like I, I have a son and I always told him, I said, Dylan, if anybody wants to start somebody or you, they're getting lippy or they're, or somebody's doing something stupid, no, just grab your buddies and get out of there. It's not worth it anymore. You can't, can't solve anything nowadays uh, with a, with a fist fight and a bleed. Maybe you walk away with a bleeding nose or maybe a chipped tooth or something. But nowadays people are unfortunately getting stabbed and shot and killed and, and beat up. And even if you get into a fight where it's a fist fight, something can get hurt unfortunately, or, or you yeah. get into trouble, you can get charged and, and get into trouble. So it's not even worth it. But going back in my day, I would say still on the ice, it, it just, it was more, there was 20,000 fans when it was off ice, it might be uh, at the drive-in or something like that. There's only like yeah. a couple, couple uh-huh. hundred people there, right? Watching yeah. a big circle <laughs> watching or in high school. Right. But I mean, yeah, I just, I, I for sure. Hockey, they just, you had the adrenaline, you were pumped up, you're fighting for your whole team. You're fighting for your teammate and for yourself. And somebody did something and it just fired you up. And it was just so exciting to be doing that. And the, let's face it, hockey fans, old school hockey fans, they love it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know, I know the yeah. game's changed, but the old school hockey fans love it. And you look at Such even now, I know obviously with the pandemic now, but before the pandemic, if you were in the States or somewhere or uh, in Montreal or Toronto and they seen a fight, they still love it. They still go crazy. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's different. And I understand why they're trying to take it out. I mean, I have a, a son that played in the OHL and uh, I get it. Every time he got into a fight, I was nervous as heck and didn't want to see him get hurt. I didn't want to see the other guy get hurt either, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. So I understand why they're taking it out. I mean, there's concussions that really hurt a lot of people, but, um, and people, guys that I know have suffered and even, and worse things have committed suicide because they couldn't deal with uh, the, the pain and the, the concussion and the head injuries they've had. So it's, I understand what they're doing, but I, I'm still old school. And I, I do miss it. And I do think that it's conflicting, part. right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like, you love it and it has to be in the game Yeah, and there are repercussions, but you get hurt doing a lot of other things too. So I, mean, well, I agree. And I wouldn't take anything back. I mean, I, you know, I suffer from, you know, from it, from the concussions over the years and my memory isn't as great as it is. It used to be. And I mean, I have my mood swings up and downs and stuff like that, but you're right. Everybody else suffers different types of injuries in, in any life work they do. So I mean, we chose to play the game of hockey. We chose, I chose to fight and be and get involved and get into fisticuffs. And, and, uh, so I accept, you know, what it was. And I mean, I do understand it's conflicting. Do I do understand why they're trying to do it? These guys are, you know, have a life after hockey, but I mean, I think there's a decision on the ice. If you want to fight or you don't want to fight, I know guys that played a long career that never fought, they stayed away from it and good. You know, that was their decision. It was up to them. But I still think, I feel like there's a part for it still in the game. Oh Yeah. If looking, looking back now and you say you don't regret anything or you wouldn't take anything back, but is there one fight that maybe if you had a chance, you might be able to look back and be like, ah, maybe not, not today. Maybe pull that one back. <laughs> Probably a couple. Uh, you know what? I don't regret any. I was too, uh, it was too dumb or too stupid. I didn't really, I wasn't, <laughs> I'll, I'll, be, I'll tell you right now, I was always scared. And my dad always said, yeah. if you're not scared when you get into a fight, there, you know, there's something wrong with you. Like there's gotta be something wrong that you should be. And I was always a little scared, a little bit scared. I think that's what gave me the adrenaline to, to go as quick as I could. But I mean, 
there's not no really regrets because thank God I grabbed uh, Sam, uh, Sammy Semenko, Dave Semenko. We call I got to know him at Gretzky's fantasy camp in Vegas that he used to have every year mm-hmm. for to raise money for his foundation. So I got to know him, but I remember grabbing. I think it was in Hartford. He had playing in Hartford it was near the end of his career, and there was a big pileup in front of the uh, net in Hartford. And I went flying in there, piss full of piss and vinegar, and grabbed him. He was like his back was me, so I just grabbed his arm and. When I grabbed his arm, I had to put both hands on his arm. They were so his arms were so big, right? Oh and, no! Yeah, I, just remember, I remember him turning to me and going, "Don't make me do it, kid." But yeah. <laughs> okay, but yeah. I don't really regret any. I mean, um, yeah. The one I do wish I didn't fall down, but maybe I do. Maybe I am happy I didn't. I fell down because maybe I would have got tuned in pretty good. But the Eric Karens one looked really bad when I fought him in in in, in, in Long Island during the playoffs that year. But he he honestly. And whatever, I don't care. I, I got hit and lost fights before, but and I'm, I'm the first one. You're not going to win them all, anyways. You got to take a few and get beat up a couple of times. You're going to fight, right? That's just going to happen. But that one, he didn't even hit me. I lost my balance. My hair was so long, I went flying back. It looks like he clocked me. I went down. That's why I jumped up. Oh, that's why I jumped up. That's why I jumped up and kneed him in the face. And then I got I got suspended for a game. The seventh game, I got suspended. So I might. Regret oh, that. I caught that. Yeah, I was reading when I was reading. Yeah, yeah. And that was that. Gotcha. Yeah, I, might, I might have. I might regret doing that. Um, <laughs> I missed the game, the seventh game, and I mean, I shouldn't. Have, I shouldn't have need him. That was that was bad. But I was just reaction. I was so ticked off that I fell Heated down. the moment. Yeah, yeah. He, didn't, he didn't really hit me. So, but not in saying that, if I would have stayed up on my feet, he was like a big dude and tough as nails. He probably would have hit me four or five times. I might have broke my nose or yeah. something. Yeah. Maybe I feel good that I did go down on that one. But no regrets. No regrets. Other than when I broke my jaw against Kurt Fraser, he was hitting me. Kurt Fraser hit me. He was in Chicago. It was my rookie year. He hit me so many times. That I thought he was hitting me with a suitcase. It was, oh, and, and I didn't go down, but I broke my jaw that fight. But I ended up. It looked, it looked pretty even. But he was he was nails. Just you might not know Kurt Fraser, but he was he was a sleeper tough guy. Let me tell you that. I found out the hard way, boys. Yeah, absolutely. Just quickly. Uh, switch gears a little bit here uh you mentioned that you know you, your family has uh uh run a restaurant you've been in the industry for quite so many years and uh myself and our producer jesse aka birdman uh we spent a lot of years in the kitchen a lot of years in bars and whatnot do you what was that like growing up uh, just being born into that kind of industry and uh, if you have any stories that you can share um just being uh growing up in a restaurant and uh now owning restaurants uh for your for yourself yeah, I mean, I would never tell anybody to buy a restaurant or invest in a restaurant. I, I did it. <laughs> I invested a couple of times with, with buddies just to try to help them out. and didn't, it didn't, yeah. didn't turn out very well. But you, as you said, my parents were in the business and they worked their tails off. It was seven days a week, uh, long hours. My dad was actually, if you guys worked in the kitchen, then you can relate to my dad was, that's what he did. He worked in the kitchen. He was a, a cook and, uh, you know, became a chef too, but we were more family oriented restaurants. So you just needed to be a cook. You didn't need to be a chef or anything. And my mm-hmm. mom would work out front. Uh, they worked seven days a week. They were there six in the morning till late at night. Uh, uh, it was a tough industry, but uh, a lot of great memories. We used to fill up the salad bar on a Friday night with beer and and have our friends over there every Friday night after the restaurant closed. And there's memories that we've had there and a couple of fights in the parking lot with uh, people. <laughs> but the story, <laughs> the story that, and, and, and I mean, I love the restaurant. I, like I yeah. said, Mom's Pants was the restaurant. Barry, we had it for years and years and years. And we sold it to somebody that actually worked for us for years. Um, and I think she just sold it last year, if I'm not mistaken. I think I've seen that somewhere, but oh, no um, just the, the, the memories we have there and the, and the, uh, the times we spent there. Cause my parents were there constantly. So we ate all our meals there. We, that's where we spent a lot of our time because that's you, as you guys know, in the restaurant business, you're, you're there constantly. And, oh, yeah. and especially when you own the business and 
that's the only way you're going to make money if you're not there constantly. But probably the, the funniest story, um, I worked there too as a dishwasher. I washed dishes. The only thing I didn't like to do was wash the dirty ashtrays. I told you I didn't like cigarettes and stuff. Yeah, but, well, everybody's got to start yeah, uh, but in the I, dish but I, but I, I started as a dishwasher and my best friend, uh, we call him Mel Dog. He was a goalie on my team all the way up through uh, uh, minor hockey. Uh, oh, we, got a job, we got a job there uh, washing dishes and we were on the line and you know where you grab the handle and you spray off the, the dishes before you put them into the dishwasher and then oh yeah he would pull them out and then make sure they're dried and they're make sure they're cleaned properly and then take them out to the front and put them where they needed to go so we're in there working one day and we noticed my dad had gone off the line on the cook side of the line doing the back of the office probably to have a maybe a quick cigarette or something because he was a smoker and that's why i hated it or do some paperwork or grab something from the freezer mm-hmm. so we started screwing around and i grabbed the the, the, the sprayer and I started spraying my buddy Mel Dog, right? Give him a little spray. <laughs> Just I was doing that. My dad walks in, he's seen it. He, when you're at work, like he was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with my dad. Yeah. And, you know, we did everything together. We got in fights together. We drank together. We just, we were like best friends now. Cause he was born. I was, I think he was 17 when I was born. Oh, wow. So he come flying in there and he's seen that. He lost it. He kicked me in right in the ass. And he says, get out of the kitchen. You're fired. And he didn't even <laughs> fire my buddy Mel. He blamed it on me. Cause he goes, you should know better. And he, a few other explicit words. He says, get out of here. And he kicked me in the ass and chased me at the back door. And, <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh my God, what just happened? Because he was just like, when you're at work, you're there to work, get your work done. And as soon as yeah. work was over, he was ready to play. Fill up the salad bar, put beers in. Let's have beers together. Let's have, tell stories. But the funny thing is the next day, my mom comes to me and goes, you're, you're hired back. Go back to work. So we found out really quick. My mom was the boss again, right? So she hired me back. And he goes, what are you doing here? And I said, mom hired me back. And he goes, okay. Yeah. Don't screw up, don't, don't, don't up again. You're not daddy's boy. You're mommy's boy. That's, that's right. Yeah. Don't screw up again. That's um, amazing. So I never did until I went away to hockey, which was good. Yeah. Amazing. I to hockey than the dishwashing. I'll tell you that. Yeah, for real. Well, uh, Shane the Hammer, uh, it was great to great to have you on our show. Um, uh, again, hopefully we can have you on later on down the road. It was an absolute pleasure to uh, have you on the Down by Two podcast. Um, anything you'd like to say uh, before we sign off? No, I just want to say uh, thank you, Birdman and Mike and Josh. I mean, I uh, really appreciate you having me on. I mean, keep doing what you're doing. I love the podcast that uh, yeah. everybody's doing. That they're a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But most important, they give me a platform to you know let people know who I am just as a person. But more importantly, as we talked earlier, it gives me a platform to talk about mental health because it means a lot to me. I mean, I have family members that suffer with it, and I've suffered with it for years and hit it for years. And if I can get help one person come out and talk about it and, and save their lives or just help them have a more enjoyable life, it's uh, worth it for me. And uh, I, like I said, I just want to say thank you to all the fans out there, hockey fans, because I feel lucky and fortunate to play a game I love to play and have all that support and love. And I know there was a lot of people that hated me and didn't like me as a player or didn't mm-hmm. like me the way I played, but hopefully they respect me as a player. But um, I just want to thank them. Uh, and I'd love to be back on your show again. We can talk about different stories. I have a lot of ice off story, off ice stories, as you know, and yeah. on, on ice stories that we could talk about. And, and again, about the mental health. So I just want to say thank you to you guys. And okay. hopefully I talk to you soon and follow me on uh, Instagram at uh, Shane Corson 27, but thanks boys. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Awesome. Always a pleasure. Cheers, thank Shane. you so much. Thank you. And I, and I want to say thank you to all the, uh, the healthcare workers uh, across uh, Canada and across the world, mm-hmm. because uh, with COVID-19, it's really tough on a lot of people and uh, the mental health people are doing a great job. And uh, Absolutely. You know, thank you to all of them. You smell that, Josh? Yo, I smell that. That's that fresh-ass candle. Ooh. This episode of Down by Two is brought to you by Naturally Vain. Mm. That's a handcrafted, 
naturally produced line of body care products and candles suitable for everyone. Sexy. It's Ottawa-based but globally known. You can find that scent at naturallyvain.ca. You always smell that. You smell that. Don't forget to use your promo code down by two for 20% off your next order. Ooh, that's down by two. And that's it. Episode six in the books. And it's another one. It's another one. It's another one. Yo, Shane Corson. Fantastic to have him on the show. Um, can't wait to have him back. Uh, he's, he says he's got a couple special guests that he's going to be bringing on. So uh, please stay tuned. Uh, yo, we got some good stuff coming in down the pipe. We do. What do we got? We got a former NBA player. Couple, got, couple former NBA players. We got a couple comedians coming in. Some of the some of the best this country has to offer. And we got a lot of good sports right around the bend. It's going to be a heart of spring coming, coming in. in. Piss hot. Playoff time coming in for ball and puck. So here we go. It's it's go time. Let's get it. But yo, speaking of go time, our uh, our better halves are in the other room. So why don't we go join them? Let's go join them for a. Uh, for a seltzer or two yeah a late night glass of wine uh be safe out there guys uh, make sure that you like uh share subscribe all that good stuff um you like this podcast uh, just share it with all your friends because uh, we like talking sports we like talking to you uh super appreciate you guys listening and have yourselves a wonderful day wonderful weekend whatever it is just be safe out there love you cheers everywhere the imagination dares it's for the open-minded the pleasure seeker it's jeff woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality theme-based with special guests blue hotel hotline at every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story get a room and listen in at the blue hotel Begins Friday, September 23rd. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.